Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. I came from a low-income family that was, that was struggling. You see how hard life can get. GC became a part of my life because I don't want my family to fall back into that. I never thought education would take me this far. I'm still young. I still have a lot to do in my life and just want to get things done the way I want with a good education under me. I'm Stacy, and Grand Canyon University helped me find my purpose. everybody and welcome to the very first edition of streaming charts with dan which i guess is sort of a spin-off now from charts with dan i started doing streaming charts as part of the overall charts with dan show during the pandemic when there weren't any movies coming out and i just needed stuff to do i mean that's what people were watching they were staying at home and watching stuff on streaming services and it kind of hung around for that reason but i wanted to expand what i talk about when it comes to the world of streaming and the regular chart shows were getting so long as movies start coming out and I started doing what I usually do with movie numbers there that I thought it made sense to give streaming its own show. So this show is going to be a little bit more malleable I think than Charts with Dan. I think some weeks it's going to be a little bit shorter and we'll just look at what people have been watching on the various streaming services for the previous week or at least the data that was released that previous week and then sometimes I think the episodes may be a little longer as I tackle one or two issues in the world of streaming and as it turns out for this debut episode, I have a really interesting story to talk about leading into all of the numbers and everything, and that is an interesting legal battle that's happening right now with one of the longest-running animated shows, longest-running comedies of all time, South Park, which is still currently airing on Comedy Central, but which is also available on two separate streaming services, and it's those two services, HBO Max, which is soon to become just plain Max, and Paramount Plus, which used to be CBS All Access, that we're going to talk about today. I'm going to be talking about why these two services are now suing each other over the rights to South Park and how we got to this point. And in order to talk about how we got to this point, we almost have to go back to the beginning of what we now call the streaming wars, all the way back to 2014, which is when CBS, the broadcast network, launched a streaming service called CBS All Access. They were the first broadcast network to launch its own service in the vein of HBO go and it was basically a place for you to go and watch CBS shows online so you didn't have to stream them through Hulu CBS said no we're going to stream all of our own shows and some library content on our own dedicated service they were actually kind of ahead of the curve back in 2014 when they launched this most other places were still licensing all of their stuff out to other services in 2015 CBS All Access began to roll out original programming announcing that a new Star Trek series would be exclusive to the streaming platform after debuting on broadcast CBS networks. And Star Trek Discovery was announced at Comic-Con in 2016 and debuted in 2017. And by 2019, 
CBS All Access was doing all right as far as the Phase 1 Streaming Wars numbers, where you had the giant Netflix and a bunch of nobodies. They had about 4 million subscribers, but things were already changing quickly in the streaming world. In October of 2018, then Warner Media announced that they were starting their own streaming service, which would eventually launch in 2020 as HBO Max. And in September and October of 2019, they began some big number licensing deals with shows like Friends and The Big Bang Theory signing deals worth hundreds of millions of dollars for exclusive streaming rights on HBO Max. And it was during this buying spree that Viacom, who owns the rights to South Park, licensed the show to HBO Max exclusively in a deal worth about half a billion dollars. This was announced in October of 2019, actually when they were announcing the big rollout of HBO Max. South Park being on the streaming service was one of the big surprise things and really kind of helped establish HBO Max as a new streaming service with a deep library of content. It wasn't just about HBO originals like HBO Go had been. It was about other movies and other series from other networks and other entities that they were licensed to show on their platform. And that's really what the new streaming services all were. It wasn't just content from the people who own the streaming services. They were also licensing all of this other stuff in a kind of arms race to see who had the most desirable properties. The South Park deal included an exclusive right for HBO Max to stream all of the new episodes of South Park on their platform one day after they premiered on Comedy Central for the next three seasons, as well as exclusive rights to the South Park library. And if you're Viacom and South Park Studios, it's a pretty good deal. You got half a billion dollars in your pocket, but shortly before this sale, changes were afoot because Viacom and CBS announced that they would merge later that year, which they did, forming a new company called, well, Viacom CBS. The plain truth is that despite being one of the first direct-to-consumer streaming services out there, CBS All Access was now seen as lagging behind competitors like Disney+, HBO Max, Netflix, all of these different places that were about movies and TV shows, both owned and licensed. They really wanted an upgrade, so they began to think about how they they could broaden their appeal, and in 2020, they announced that they were rebranding CBS All Access to Paramount Plus, which would show to the consumer that it was much more than just what you could watch on TV on CBS. And then the pandemic happened, and while life slowed to a crawl, the streaming world exploded. However, and unfortunately for HBO Max, one of the shows that was hit with production delays, as almost every show was, was South Park. South Park aired just one episode in 2020 called The Pandemic Special, which premiered on Comedy Central and then went exclusively to HBO Max. It also aired just one broadcast episode in 2021 in March, something called The South Park Vaccination Special, which meant that a year and a half after signing an exclusive half-billion-dollar deal to stream new episodes on their platform, HBO Max had all of two new South Park episodes to show for it. And listen, if there were no other South Park things afoot, then I guess you could probably understand. I mean, it is the pandemic. There are production delays. But that wasn't the only South Park project that was going on. In August of 2021, Trey Parker and Matt Stone announced a massive $900-plus deal to produce 14 South Park movies exclusively for Paramount+, Plus, in addition to another multi-season series renewal. And because these were branded as South Park movies and not South Park 
episodes. They would not air on Comedy Central, which means that these new South Park movies were not covered under the terms of the deal they had with HBO Max. Remember, Max's contract said that any South Park episodes that aired on Comedy Central would then be exclusively streamed on HBO Max the next day. But since these weren't episodes, they were movies, and they didn't air on Comedy Central at all, then Paramount Plus felt that they were well within their rights to exclusively stream these South Park movies without having to cut HBO Max in on the deal. So now we are in a situation where South Park had two exclusive streaming homes, HBO Max for their broadcast episodes and Paramount Plus for their streaming movies. Parker and Stone released two Paramount Plus exclusive South Park movies in November and December of 2021, both of them running about an hour long. The next year in 2022, six episodes of South Park were produced for that season and released exclusively to HBO Max after premiering on Comedy Central. Very notably, South Park had never done six episode seasons before. They were always at least 10 episodes. In addition to the six episodes that were aired on Comedy Central, South Park also produced two movies in 2022, both about 50 minutes long and of course exclusive to Paramount+. Plus. This year, South Park aired another season, their 26th season, which was, again, six episodes long, and brought to an end their deal to exclusively air new episodes on HBO Max after they aired on Comedy Central. So the three-season deal that HBO Max signed for new South Park episodes was a two-episode pandemic season and then two six-episode seasons. And as you can imagine, HBO Max wasn't exactly happy with the fact that they were getting the short end of the stick as far as the episode count, especially because they did not have unlimited time to recoup their investment. In February of last year, Viacom CBS signed a deal to regain rights to South Park with new episodes premiering on Paramount Plus starting next year and then the entire rest of the library coming to Paramount Plus in 2025. As you can imagine, having signed an exclusive deal for South Park, HBO Max was not very happy that they didn't seem to be the exclusive home for South Park. And in February, Warner Brothers Discovery filed a lawsuit against Paramount claiming breach of contract, saying that that they were promised three 10-episode seasons and only received 14 total episodes, and that the movie deal with Paramount Plus was a semantic trick to funnel exclusive South Park content to a rival streaming service. In a statement, Warner Brothers Discovery said, We believe that Paramount and South Park Digital Studios embarked on a multi-year scheme of unfair trade practices and deception, flagrantly and repeatedly breaching our contract, which clearly gave HBO Max exclusive streaming rights to the existing library and new content from the popular animated comedy South Park. But the plot thickened this week because Paramount has now filed a countersuit to Warner Brothers Discovery, basically saying, first of all, too bad, so sad to all of their grievances, and also saying that it's HBO Max who owes them money in unpaid licensing fees for episodes that HBO Max claims are undelivered under the original agreement. In their filing, Paramount said, quote, despite receiving all of the content required under the term sheet, meaning the original deal, Warner Media apparently began to regret the actual terms of the deal it made. Indeed, unlike other streaming platforms involved in the bidding for the rights to the South Park television episodes in 2019, Warner Media did not seek to include a required minimum number of episodes for seasons 24 to 26. Likewise, Warner Media never sought and certainly did not obtain the right to license any made-for-streaming movies in the term sheet and for 
good reason South Park Studios would not have agreed to license any made-for-streaming movie rights on the same terms as, and certainly not for the price of, an episode of the television series. So basically what Paramount's saying is that HBO Max was never promised 30 episodes, even though every other season of South Park in recent memory had been a 10-episode season. They could have delivered three one-episode seasons and met the terms of the deal. And they also said that it's not their fault that HBO Max didn't ask about exclusive streaming rights to South Park movies, which, by the way, had never been made for streaming, only theatrically, and that if they had asked about those rights, well, Paramount would never have agreed to sell them for the price that HBO Max was offering. In regard to the unpaid funds, Paramount said, quote, Warner Media's wholesale refusal to pay for any of the South Park content it admits it has received and is continuing to exploit constitutes a clear and knowing breach of its obligations under the term sheet. Warner Media has received 96% of the total content it believes it is owed under the term sheet. A nominal shortfall of 4% of the content Warner Media wrongly believes it is entitled to is hardly grounds to refuse to pay more than $52 million in license fees currently owed to South Park Studios or to repudiate all future payment obligations for the indisputably valuable content it continues to exploit on HBO Max. In their filing, Paramount is also asking the court to grant them the hundreds of millions of dollars in unpaid licensing fees that they say that Warner Media is holding back based on the terms of the original deal. And they're also asking the court to dismiss some of the claims that Warner Media is making in their lawsuit, including deceptive business practices and the breach of a good faith contract, because they say, well, this is just the kind of contract dispute you see between any two business entities. There's no reason for anyone to throw around these accusations of deceptive practices. So who's right and who's wrong here? Well, based on the information available, as is often the case in these entertainment stories, I don't think that anybody's really in their best light in this case. For Warner Media, first of all, if it is true what Paramount is saying, and that the contracts did not specify a number of episodes in their three-season exclusive deal, well, then the first thing they should do is fire those original lawyers if David Zosloff hasn't fired them already. Because yes, you want to assume that the people you're dealing with are going to be acting in good faith, and that if you make a deal with a show that has done 10 episode seasons or more for decades, that the seasons that they do with you are also going to be 10 episodes. But I would be flabbergasted if you look at those contracts and there are no episodes specified. I mean, that seems like a very simple thing, and if that was left out of the contract language, well, that basically gave Paramount the opening when they decided that their streaming service was much more of a competitor to HBO Max than CBS All Access was to carve out their own little bit with these original streaming movies and to cut down on their losses by cutting the episode count that goes to their competitor. It's dirty business, but it's also business. But even if it does make good competitive business sense, I also think that Paramount and South Park Studios come off pretty poorly here because I think it would be a huge coincidence if following the pandemic, you spontaneously decide, even after all the production delays are over, to produce your two shortest seasons ever while you just happen to be under this exclusive deal with a now competitor. And at the same time, decide to start producing for the first time ever streaming exclusive movies that miraculously nobody thought to include in this contract because it's something that you've never done before. I mean, it seems pretty obvious to me what happened here, which is that Warner Media back then made a pretty 
bad contractual decision by assuming that South Park would continue to make the number of episodes that they've traditionally made, and that South Park Studios, and probably even more so Paramount, saw the opening with the pandemic and the fact that they could go through this loophole in the contract and decide to act like, if you'll pardon the turn of phrase, complete douchebags. So where do we go from here? Well, it's probable that what's going to happen is what happens with almost all of these cases, which is that it'll be settled out of court for some indeterminate amount of money. HBO Max slash Warner Discovery will probably pay less than what they contractually owe to Paramount, and Paramount will get the rights back to South Park as they already are under the current contractual terms. If this does go to court and that loophole does exist in the contract, then Warner Discovery may have to pay the entirety of the licensing fees under their original deal and they may not want to take that risk. They may just take the hit and walk away knowing that they should do a better job next time. Of course, there is also the possibility that some kind of a recording will pop up of Trey Parker, Matt Stone, and the Viacom executives sitting atop Mount Paramount smoking cigars, laughing about how they're going to defraud HBO Max out of hundreds of millions of dollars, which could swing a court case the other way, but I don't really think that's going to happen. I find these business stories interesting because this is symptomatic of what's going on with all of these streaming services right now, which is that this was an old style type business deal that was almost like a, a handshake agreement between two rivals, but not really. And then somebody shipped someone else in the back. That's just how it seems to work now with these streaming services. And I think that this could be an early casualty, probably more so on the Warner Brothers Discovery side, as far as learning a hard lesson. But it also just shows you how cutthroat the licensing wars are right now, especially as it seems like licensing is making a comeback. Yes, all of these streaming services pumped billions of dollars into this original content, but it's becoming more and more clear that yes, that is a driver for growth, but audiences are still going to want to return to the familiar. And the more of the familiar that you own, the more of those eyeballs that you own. So Paramount Plus is going to get all of South Park back eventually. HBO Max is going to keep what little they have, and it's a lot less than they'd hoped that they would have for another year and a half or so. And and I think this whole ordeal is going to be a very interesting footnote in whatever book is eventually written about the streaming wars as the case of two rival studios who found out very quickly just what the stakes of this new frontier of entertainment really were. So that is the story of South Park. Let's now get to the actual charts here on Streaming Charts with Dan. And I promise you, there will be more charts usually on the show. But I also think I'm going to use this to highlight some news stories like this that pertain directly to streaming. And we'll look first at what people are watching over on the iTunes store. This is as of yesterday when I was filming the show. And Ant-Man and the Lost Quantumania available only for purchase. But right now, the number one movie on iTunes before it winds its way through its various different streaming services. Similarly, Avatar are the way of water number two on the itunes charts available for purchase only at number three is plane which had its theatrical run already this year 65 is at number four available for purchase and premium video on demand those are those high price rentals creed 3 is at number five available for purchase and premium video on demand then we have shazam fury of the gods available for purchase and premium video on demand it may have already made more here on itunes than it did in the theaters it wouldn't be that hard at number seven is a man called auto at number eight a specially priced Pirates of the Caribbean five movie collection. I think they're selling all five for like 20 bucks. Good enough for number eight on the top 10. At number nine, 80 for Brady, available for purchase and rental. And at number 10, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, which is also now available for rental in addition to purchasing. 
Let's turn our attention now to Netflix, and we have a few different weeks of Netflix charts to make our way through, as well as the Nielsen charts that we'll look at in just a moment. So let's kind of rewind to the last few weeks of Netflix programming, and we go first to the week of March 27th to April 2nd, which saw the debut of Murder Mystery 2, a really strong debut, a PFV of 42.95, and if you haven't seen the streaming charts for a while or you've kind of forgotten, I use something I call a global Merle metric on these Netflix charts and I generate my own number called PFV or potential finished views. Basically, I take the number of hours watched, I divide it by the runtime of the show or movie and that kind of gives me an idea of how many people could actually have finished viewing the entire series or movie or whatever from beginning to end. It's a rough number, but I think it works pretty well to put things in context. So a PFV of 42.95 means 42.95 million Netflix users worldwide could have finished watching Murder Mystery 2. At number two is The Night Agent Season 1, which is an extraordinarily popular series now on Netflix, a PFE of 26.62. The original Murder Mystery, getting some of that love from the sequel coming out, it debuts there at number three with a PFE of 14.7. Chornikala Kebaga, which is a collaboration between Netflix and India, is at number four with a PFE of 9.45. Kill Bok Soon, which is a South Korean film about a single mother who's also a deadly Assassin is at number five with a PFE of 8.49. Who Were We Running From, which is a series out of Turkey, is at number six with a PFE of 7.56, followed by Love is Blind Season 4 at number seven, not live, but at number seven with a PFE of 6.62. Luther the Fallen Sun falls to number eight with a PFE of 5.88. At number nine is the South African drama series Unseen, debuting with a PFE of 5.53. And then at number 10, the movie I See You with a PFE of 5.08. When we go to the next week, which was April 3rd through the 9th, Murder Mystery 2 stays on the number one spot and holds really well in its second week. A further PFV of 39.89. The Night Agent Season 1 also holding well there at number two with a PFV of 16.05. Then we had the debut of the Netflix original movie Chupa, a strong debut there, 15.53 PFV, with Murder Mystery coming in fourth place, Kill Box Soon coming in fifth place, and then five new entries there at number 6 through 10. The animated film Home is at number 6 with a PFE of 6.63. The Buzzy series, first for good reasons, then for bad reasons, Beef debuts with 5.88, and we'll see that number grow a lot in the next week's chart. At number 8 is the movie Noah with a PFE of 5.87. Then the animated films Over the Hedge and Shark Tale with PFEs of 5.75 and 5.37. One of the rare weeks where we have multiple films in the top 10 that are not Netflix originals. And then when we look at the week of April 10th through the 16th, at number one is the movie Hunger, which comes to us out of Thailand. Sort of looks like it's in the vein of the menu with a PFE of 20.18. Then at number two, the Netflix movie The Last Kingdom, Seven Kings Must Die, which wraps up the streaming series The Last Kingdom with a PFE of 19.19. Chupa stays there at number three with a PFE of 16.74, followed by Obsession, which is a limited run series starring Richard Armitage with a PFE of 15 Beef Season 1 really beefed up its numbers in its second week, a PFE of 12.13 with over 70 million hours watched. Murder Mystery 2 falls to number 6 with a PFE of 11.29, followed by The Night Agent Season 1, and then three new debuts, American Manhunt Season 1, which follows the manhunt following the Boston bombing, with a PFE of 8.03 is at number 8, followed by the Netflix movie Queens on the Run, and the animated film Trolls World Tour. Overall, when we look at the most watched 
2023 Netflix programs, we see that in just the three weeks since we did these charts, Murder Mystery 2 is now the most watched program on Netflix when you look at it by PFV with a PFV of 94.13. We're getting close to all-time territory. I'm going to be tracking that over these next few weeks. Luther the Fallen Sun is at number two. You People drops to number three. Then we have The Night Agent Season 1, a PFV of 74.49. That is strong for a series and not a movie. Your Place or Mine drops to number five. Jenny and Georgia Season 2 drops to number six. Wednesday Season 1, again, this is not including all of the huge numbers it did last year in 2022. This is just people that have watched it in 2023. It's still the seventh most watched series on Netflix this year. We have A Ghost drops to number eight. You Season 4 drops to number nine. The Pale Blue Eye drops to number 10. And then Glass Onion and Outer Banks Season 3 drop out of the 2023 top 10. The other big charts that we track here are the ones that are released by Nielsen. Now, Nielsen releases their data about a month after these things actually air because they're compiling data from all different streaming services. Now, it's not worldwide. It's just here in the U.S., but it's the closest look that we have as far as a hard numbers perspective to how all of these different services are stacking up against each other. And because this is now its own show, I've also expanded the information I'm presenting on Nielsen, so I'm not just going to give you week-to-week numbers. I also have yearly Nielsen numbers, which I've never done before, and I have all-time Nielsen numbers, which I've never done before and we're going to look at today. And all of these things I'm going to get even deeper into as we keep doing charts with Dan or streaming charts with Dan so that I can provide analysis, hopefully as deep as I can, with the actual box office. So let's look first of all at the 10 most watched streaming shows. Now this is for March 6th through the 12th. Much like Netflix, we have a few weeks to get through, but this is about six weeks ago and we see that you was the most watched streaming show in the U.S. for that week with 22.5 million hours watched, followed by Outer Banks at number two. MH370, The Plane That Disappeared, debuted at number three on the Nielsen charts that week with 19.4 million hours watched, followed by HBO Max's The Last of Us, remembering that that is just the people watching on the streaming service HBO Max. This does not include people that watched at home on cable. The Mandalorian on Disney Plus was making its return for its new season, and it put in 14.8 million hours hours watched the week of March 6th through the 12th, followed by NCIS on Netflix and Paramount Plus, South Park on HBO Max. We just talked about this. It's drawing in huge numbers for HBO Max in the last original season that it's ever going to air on HBO Max. Chris Rock's special selective outrage is at number eight with 13.3 million hours watched, followed by Coco Melon at number nine and Bluey at number 10. Then if we go to the week of March 13th through the 19th, You stays at number one. Netflix's Shadow and Bone makes its debut at number two, followed by The Mandalorian at number three, growing its numbers from the previous week with 18.5 million hours watched. NCIS on Netflix and Paramount Plus is at number four with 13 million hours watched. The Last of Us wrapped up its first season on the charts with a number five finish and 13.6 million hours watched, followed by Bluey on Disney+. Plus. This show has really been coming on strong. 12.4 million hours watched that week. South Park on HBO Max again making the top 10 with 12.35 million hours watched. Outer Banks on Netflix at number eight. Coco Melon on Netflix at number nine. And Outlast on Netflix taking that number 10 spot 
at 11.5 million hours watched. And then the most recent chart released by Nielsen, March 20th through the 26th, this was the debut week of The Night Agent. I mentioned that it was a very popular show in the U.S. alone. It generated 43.4 million hours watched, easily the number one show on the chart. Shadow and Bone at number two, South Park at number three. This is why HBO Max is fighting so hard. This was the viewership that they wanted from South Park, and they're not getting as much of it as they thought they would. NCIS is at number four. The Mandalorian stays in the top five with 13.25 million hours watched. Coco Melons at number six. Bluey there at number seven. Waco American Apocalypse on Netflix is at number eight. Love is Blind on Netflix coming in there at number nine. And then Grey's Anatomy, which is often on this chart, comes in at number 10 with 10.1 million hours watched. So here are some of the new numbers with Nielsen. And first, we're going to look at the most watched streaming series this year. So for calendar year 2023, Jenny and Georgia right now by pure hours watched is the most watched streaming service in the U.S. according to the numbers that are reported by Nielsen. 174.1 million hours watched. Again, this is through March 26th, so we probably have some other shows that are going to contest this. Coco Melon at number two with 157.9 million hours watched. Then NCIS. People love that show. The third most watched streaming series of the year so far. The Last of Us landing at number four. The Walking Dead on Netflix landing at number five. Then You on Netflix at number six. Outer Banks on Netflix at number seven, Bluey on Disney Plus at number eight, Grey's Anatomy at number nine, and New Amsterdam streaming on various services is at number 10. And then this is a big chart. This is the most watched streaming series according to all of the numbers that Nielsen has reported weekly. And this is kind of important because these numbers are a little spotty. Nielsen didn't start reporting streaming numbers really until 2020. And only then it was some weeks they do it, some weeks they wouldn't. A lot of times they didn't have all the streaming services. They've kind of come on piecemeal. They have also reported some annual numbers before for 2020 and 2021 that I did not include because it just wasn't wasn't all-inclusive of every different streaming service and show, etc. It kind of skewed the numbers a little bit. So what you're about to see is really what's available for the last few years. But I will acknowledge that it's not complete data. We're going to build it over time and it'll be a little bit more complete. So I'm naming these the most watched streaming series in the US from 2020 to present with the acknowledgement that this isn't perfect data. It's just the best data that we have. And the most watched streaming series, according to Nielsen's weekly reported numbers from 2020 to right now is NCIS with over 1.4 billion hours watched here in the United States, followed very closely by Grey's Anatomy with 1.39 billion hours watched. And then Coco Melon, no shocker there, 1.359 billion hours watched. Criminal Minds, available on various platforms, is at number four, the only other show with over a billion hours watched. Then we have Ozark on Netflix, which might surprise people, but it's had multiple seasons that have been covered in this 2020 to 2023 window. So that puts it at 780.1 million hours watched. Just behind that is Stranger Things, keeping in mind this is not all time for Stranger Things. This is basically just its most recent season, 779.9 million. That also covers viewership from people going back and watching previous seasons of Stranger Things. Supernatural on Netflix is at number seven. Cobra Kai on Netflix, a very popular show at number eight. The Crown on Netflix at number nine and Heartland at number 10. And I know you might be saying like, well, where's shows like Wednesday, etc.? Wednesday actually is almost on this top 10, but keep in mind that a lot of these shows, first of all, shows like NCIS, Grey's Anatomy, Coco Melon, this is people watching multiple seasons, all of which are simultaneously available online. So for a 
show like Wednesday to almost break onto this chart with just one season and having been out for less than a year is pretty impressive, but you're not going to see Squid Game here or Wednesday just yet. As they build up more viewership over time, they're going to start going up the chart. As Stranger Things puts out its final season, it's going to start moving up the chart. But it's hard to beat these legacy shows because there's so much of it, so much of it for people to watch that those hours just get racked up. Let's catch up now with the most watched streaming movies in the U.S. And we'll start with the week of March 6th to the 12th, 2023. That was the debut of Luther the Fallen Sun, which was easily number one with 14.9 million hours watched, followed by Turbo streaming on Netflix and Peacock. We also had the debut of Puss in Boots The Last Wish streaming on Peacock with 6.3 million hours watched. The Hunger Games on Netflix at number four with 5.8 million hours watched. Then This Is Where I Leave You on Netflix at number five. The Hunger Games Catching Fire at number six. Moana, which is a fixture on this top 10 at number seven with 4.1 million hours watched. Followed by We Have a Ghost at number eight. Burlesque at number nine and Rango at number 10. Moving to the week of March 13th through 19th, Luther the Fallen Sun remains number one. Dragged Across Concrete. I love when you just see random movies pop up on this chart. Number two with 8.6 million hours watched. Followed by Puss in Boots, The Last Wish at number three. Turbo at number four. Money Shot, The Pornhub Story. Not surprisingly, making its debut in the top five. Moana there at number six. Encanto, another fixture on this chart at number seven. Riddick is at number eight. Boston Strangler, the Hulu original movies at number nine and Minions The Rise of Gru on Netflix, making its debut at number 10. And then finally, the most recent week for which we have data, March 20th through the 26th, I See You on Netflix is at number one with just over 9 million hours watched. Dragged Across Concrete remains at number two. The Magician's Elephant debuts at number three with 4.2 million hours watched. Moana's there again, 4.2 million hours watched at number four. Puss in Boots The Last Wish on Peacock is at number five. Nope, which had previously charted on another streaming service, now charts streaming on Amazon at number six with 4.1 million hours watched. Luther the Fallen Suns at number seven. Top Gun Maverick streaming on Paramount Plus is at number eight. Knock at the Cabin streaming on Peacock is at number nine. And Minions the Rise of Gru remains at number 10. And as I mentioned, I also compiled yearly and all-time data for the movies that are reported by Nielsen. So let's look first of all at the most watched streaming movies this year through March 26th. And you may be surprised to hear that the number one streaming film of the year is Black Panther Wakanda Forever. It pulled in a lot of viewership on Disney+, Plus, 73.6 million hours more than any other streaming movie that Nielsen has reported numbers for so far. You People's at number two with 64.3 million hours watched, followed by Men the Rise of Gru at 55.1 million hours. Your Place or Mine's at number four. Moana is at number five. Luther, The Fallen Sun's at number six. We Have a Ghost is at number seven. Glass Onion spilling over from the holiday season into the early part of 2023. Good enough for number eight. Encanto's at number nine, 27.2 million hours total. And then Amazon's Shotgun Wedding, the only prime movie here on this list with 26.8 million hours watched this year. When it comes to the most watched streaming movies, it's the same category caveat that I gave for the most watched streaming series. These are just the weekly numbers that were reported from Nielsen since 2020 when they started to report all of the streaming data. And there is a clear cut winner for the most watched streaming movie as long 
as Nielsen has been reporting these numbers. And that is Encanto with a mammoth hours watch number, 448.2 million hours watched for Encanto, more than double the number two movie, which is Moana, 214.2 million hours watched. If you want to know why they're remaking Moana in live action, it's probably because it wouldn't make sense to do Encanto right now. Encanto is not one of those movies that was only aired on Disney+. Plus. It did have a theatrical run, although it didn't make a huge amount of money in theaters because it was as theaters were still kind of getting back up on their feet. But this really just speaks to the strength of Encanto. And then Moana at number two. I mean, that movie came out quite some time ago. To be at number two by that measure, it just goes to show you how popular that film is. At number three is Luca, which was a Disney Plus exclusive with 168.1 million, as well as Turning Red, another Disney Plus exclusive with 141.3 million. Sing 2 is at number five on its various streaming platforms, followed by Glass Onion on Netflix. Raya and the Last Dragon, another sort of hybrid film from back when theaters were getting back on their feet with 110.9 million hours watched. Red Notice on Netflix is at number eight. It was a bigger hit globally than it was here in the U.S. 92.8 million hours watched. At number nine, a Disney Plus original Hocus Pocus 2. That's right. It was that popular. It's the ninth most popular streaming movie according to Nielsen's numbers, 90.7 million. And then surprisingly, even for me, Home Alone, 82 million hours watched, the 10th most popular streaming film, I guess because it's been through a couple of different Christmas cycles and a lot of people watch that movie. But when you look at this, the all-time most watched streaming movies, Disney Plus has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of the top 10. And that just goes to show you the pull that Disney Plus has. Their original movies and shows do well. Their library movies and shows do well. It's the kind of balance that I think a lot of other streaming services are looking for. And that pretty much does it for the first edition of Streaming Charts with Dan. Like I said, this was kind of an unusual episode, but we're going to kind of find the flow of this show together. Let me know what you liked. Let me know what you didn't like. Let me know what you would like to see here on the show. And before we go, I want to talk about some of the things that you either can see right now on streaming or that are premiering soon on streaming. Earlier this week was the premiere of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Once and Always on Netflix, bringing together a few different generations of Power Rangers. Also this week, Beavis and Butthead Season 2 began streaming on Paramount+, Plus, as well as Mrs. Davis Season 1 on Peacock. And if I may give a quick shout-out to Picard Season 3, which also finished up this past week, which I thought was an exceptional series of television, and it made this Star Trek fan's heart uh, very happy. I really loved this season, which is astonishing, kind of given how much I didn't love the last two seasons. So if you are a Star Trek fan who turned your back on Star Trek Picard, go watch Picard season three is one of my favorite Star Trek things literally ever. Streaming today on Netflix is the Whitney Houston biopic, I Want to Dance with Somebody, part of Sony's licensing deal and the fact that it doesn't have its own streaming service. John Mulaney, Baby J, a new comedy special streams on Netflix this Tuesday. Love and Death, season one, starring Elizabeth Olsen, premieres on HBO Max this Thursday, as does Sweet Tooth, season two on Netflix. Also on Thursday, the Richard Batten, Priyanka Chopra Jonas series, Citadel, premieres on Prime Video. Then on Friday, April 28th, Peter Pan and Wendy debuts on Disney Plus. That's an original film exclusive there. And next Saturday, one week from today, is the debut of the acclaimed documentary about David Bowie, Moon Age Daydream on HBO Max. Thank you so much for watching. I'm not sure what day we're going to come back with the next edition, but I look forward to seeing you then and bringing you even more streaming charts and more information. Stay safe. Thanks for spending part of your day with me, and I'll see you next time. Bye. 
You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.